Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Okay, here we are again, uh, back in our study of Proverbs, and I'm with uh, Forrest Hyde, a co-laborer here at HeartCry, and he has uh, found some questions that have been sent in regarding our study, and he's going to spend time uh, asking me those questions. But first, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for the great privilege that is ours to know your Son and to speak about him and his word. I pray for the young people who are listening, Lord, that that they would know you savingly, and that they would grow in their knowledge of you, and that they would become reflections of your character. They would be useful, Lord, in your service. Make them wise, and in that wisdom, Lord, grant them the grace of humility. Father, please help us, because without you we have, we have nothing. But with you, we can do all things. Lord, grant us wisdom and understanding both to speak and to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it's good to be, uh, be with you again, Brother Paul. Good to be with you all again. Those of you who are watching, thank you so much for sending in your questions. We've got a lot of uh, good questions again. So we're going to go ahead and get started, try to get through as many of these as, as we possibly can. Uh, so, uh, Brother Paul, these first several questions are all somewhat related, but they're, they're nuanced. So I would like you to uh, address them one by one, if you will. They all have to do uh, with, with studying the Bible, though. So we'll start with Kenan, who's uh, 15 years old. He asks, why am I not interested in God's word and find games and worldly things more attractive? Well, the answer to that is um, many faceted. There's many ways to look at it. First of all, a person must become a Christian. Um, When we trust in Christ, a great work has happened in our heart. And God has, uh, as he says in Ezekiel, he's taken out our heart of stone that does not want God or respond to God and replaced it with a heart of flesh, a living heart that desires God. So the first thing is that we must become Christians. We must trust in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now, as Christians, there's something that you should understand. Even the best Christians uh, struggle with this same problem at times. And um, that's because even though we are new creatures in Christ and we have a new identity in Christ, there's still something in us called the flesh. And, and uh, it's very hard to define, but it's, some, it's an aspect of us, an unredeemed aspect of us that continues to fight against the will of God, against our new heart, against a renewed mind. And so there's always going to be something of a battle within us. Now, something that is is very, very important to understand here is that, um, you know, a lot of people say, you know, I start reading the Bible, it's kind of difficult, but I can sit in front of television, I can play a video game for hours, and uh, it seems to be a lot easier. Why is that? Well, first of all, your flesh, the part we were talking about, 
it really does not want God's word, uh, God's wisdom, or God's correction, and it fights against it. Secondly, when we watch those TV programs, and when we watch, when we play video games or whatever, there's a thing called instant gratification. And that is we really don't have to work at anything. It's coming to us. But with the Bible, it's not necessarily instant gratification. We have to study. We have to labor. We have to pray. We have to ask questions. And so that's why sometimes it's difficult. Yeah, it's hard work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay, well, we'll move on to Patrick. He's 11 years old, and he asks, how can I get a habit of reading the Bible? First of all, Patrick, there's a, there's a great need simply to sit down and ask yourself some questions. And with those questions, come to some convictions. Is the Bible the Word of God? Of course it is. Since it is the Word of God, it is the most important book or source of information in the world. And, and that in itself should, should motivate you to study it. But then there's something else that, that a lot of people overlook. They, they think of Christianity as some type of lone wolf religion. Um, one of the things I would do is I would go to other people, maybe friends that you have if they're Christians and they, they love to study God's word, or your parents or church, uh, someone in the church, and say, look, could we get together and, and you hold me accountable and I'll hold you accountable? Uh, not in a way in which we're trying to you know, expose each other's weaknesses, but simply, listen, when I see you on Sunday, ask me, are you reading the Word? What are you getting out of it? Did you miss a day? And um, I have a lot of great friends around me, and they help me stay on track with such things as reading the Word and my prayer life. All right. Okay. Um, keeping with the theme, Susan wants to know, how can we learn to desire God's Word more? Well, um, one of the ways, if, if we're Christians, one of the ways is just by reading it. The more we read it, the more we'll discover its beauty, its mysteries, its glories, and the more we'll be drawn to it. Another thing, again, is this. Um, there is a sense in which, as believers, we, we stand on our own. But we were also created to be in a church and um, my desire to study the scripture is, is motivated uh, by the Holy Spirit, of course, by my personal relationship with God, but also by the sermons that I hear, by the exhortations from the pulpit, and by my friends around me. I know I've already said this, but it's so very important. I don't know where. I don't want to know where I would be without my friends who encourage me and cause me to desire more of God in his word. Yeah. Yeah. That fellowship, true fellowship. Um, and then we've got one more, one more question on, on this category. Um, and it came from two different people, both Jacob who's 16 years old and then a 19 year old new believer. They both asked, how do I study the Bible? Where do I start? Um, first of all, let me just share with you. There are some wonderful study Bibles out there on the market that, that I do highly recommend. Uh, there's the MacArthur Study Bible. There's the Reformation Heritage Study Bible. Um, there's the ESV Study Bible. And all of them have what we call historical Christianity in them. 
They're, the notes that they provide are not radical or extreme one way or the other, but they stay right in the center of historic Christianity. And it can really help you while you're reading the Bible. To, let's say you come to a certain city or a certain place, or there's a certain verse that you don't understand, and you can, you can get just enough information to keep you going, uh, to help you. Um, I, I love it that, that some of the study Bibles, especially the ESV, when, when it comes to a thing where godly Christians have sort of disagreed, it'll give you the, the two or three different opinions to help you kind of navigate. But let me say this. When I first became a Christian, uh, this is what I did. I started reading in the New Testament. And um, I read through, you know, from, from Matthew all the way to the book of Revelation. And I wrote out my questions, the things I didn't understand. Now, now please, don't think I wrote a paragraph. I wrote, I mean, the briefest you know, what does this mean? Question mark. You know, who is this person? Question mark. And when I got done, I had a like a notebook, a spiral notebook full of questions. Mm -hmm. But what was really amazing is that when I went back through the New Testament, the next time I was able to answer many of my questions, mm -hmm. you see, because the Bible is the best commentary of itself. But also some new questions arose that I didn't think of the first time. And so that's kind of what you do. As you read through Scripture, you'll start seeing Scripture answer Scripture. Hmm. For example, the Bible says we're, we're saved by faith. But what is faith? Well, Hebrews 11 tells us what faith is. And Romans chapter 4 gives us the most beautiful illustration of what it is. And so see, just, just read it. Just read it. And start in the New Testament, Matthew to Revelation, read that a few times, understand it, read it, and then start your way into the Old Testament and start reading through the Bible. I recommend that you have an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading. I also recommend that you don't jump around. I mean, if you read um, The Old Man and the Sea or War and Peace or something like that, you don't start in chapter 14 and then jump to chapter 1 and then go to the last chapter. You don't do that. You read through it. So begin in Matthew for your New Testament reading and read through. Begin in Genesis and read through. And enjoy yourself. You're going to have a lot of things you don't understand. Just, just let them go and keep going. And little by little, you're going to grow. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so the, the next set of questions, we, we had a number of different questions uh, about relationships with unsaved family members. And so I'm going to read through all of all. I think I've got five of them here for context. And then I'm going to kind of try to summarize them so we can sort of get to the heart of it. And I'll let you let you go on it. So uh, Heather's 10 year old son asks, how should I treat my unsaved adult brother? And then Jaden asks, how do I honor my parents when they get angry at the truth I share with them? How can I love and honor them, yet not warn them of their imminent danger? 13-year-old Mark had a similar question, and Pedro, who's 15, explains, I love the gospel, but my parents don't believe in Christ. Should I preach to them, or would be being quiet be the way to honor them? And finally, uh, Celestine, she's a new believer. Her parents uh, have given her counsel that's contradictory to God's word. So just, just trying to tackle all of that, how can these young people be a witness for Christ to their unbelieving family members whom they love while also honoring them as authority figures? Well, first of all, regardless of who the person is, brother, sister, mother, father, a friend, or a stranger, the rule is love. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
Um, there are countless passages in the Bible not to be contentious, not to be proud, um, to use wisdom in our speech, to use salt in our speech, um, to be full of grace. So that's very, very important. Now, two primary relationships were set before us just now, and one of them was with parents and the other with a brother. Right? We could say a brother and sister. First of all, recognize that those relationships are different. Now, having, you know, they're governed by what I've already said, love, grace, humility. Um, with your brother, um, you need to love him. You need to honor him. You need to respect his wishes. You need to live your life before him in such a way that he begins to ask himself, what has happened to my brother? I mean, it's positive. It's positive. Now, it's the same way with your parents. Imagine that, you know, you, you come to know Christ in Sunday school or, or in college or, or wherever, and you're just a normal kid, and you come to know Christ, and then you return home, and you're, I'm going to use a big word here, you're belligerent. You're, you're preachy. Uh, you're disagreeing all the time because your parents said something that didn't agree with the Bible, or your brother said something that didn't agree with the Bible. And what you're doing is you're making yourself obnoxious, mm. obnoxious, um, um, distasteful, smelly, <laughs> contrary. And, and that doesn't adorn the gospel. Now, if you've become a Christian, and you, you should share it with your parents. As a matter of fact, your parents should know that you've gone to church. Your parents should know what happened to you in church. Don't, don't hide anything. I, I wish your parents would be more involved so that they would know. Mm -hmm. if, if you become a Christian, um, you ought to seek to share with your brother and your mother and your father. And if they want to listen wonderful and if they don't then honor them don't badger them don't chase after them honor them honor their wishes and then what do you do well there's two things i like to point out first of all i have a little saying because i i had something of a problem like that before when i was a young christian if i cannot talk to a person about god then i talk to god about that person so if I can't talk to my mom and dad because they just don't want to hear it, or my brother because he doesn't want to hear it, then I'm going to talk to God about them. Secondly, now, uh, it, it has been said, some attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, that preach the gospel always, use words when necessary. Well, um, scholars debate of whether or not he even said that, or said it that way. And there's some truth in it, but there's also some untruth in it. Um, you can't preach the gospel just through your life. You have to preach the gospel through words, through the communication of truth. And yet, when your mother and father or brother don't want to hear, then what do you do? You do exactly what the Bible tells you to do. You love your brother. Mm. You serve your brother. You walk humbly before your brother. You're kind to your brother. You show the fruit of the Spirit toward your brother. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Mm. With your parents, what do you do? Exactly what the Bible told you, tells you to do. Not simply to obey them, but to honor them. Go out of your way in service to them. You know, Jesus said, if they ask you to carry the cross one mile, carry it two. You know, um, serve them, obey them, honor them, be a pleasure to them. And sooner or later, they're going to start thinking, 
what is this? Yeah. This is a very positive thing that's happened to our child. But if they see you go all religious fanatic on them, you know, they're, they're going to think just the opposite. Mm. Um, so that would be my advice. Okay. All right. Well, our, our next question actually came from multiple people. Uh, once you got further into Proverbs 1, Lessons 20 to 22, uh, we got this question from Sarah, who's 11, Laurel, who's 10, uh, from Tony, and from Thapello, who's uh, 19. And they all asked the same question. Why is wisdom personified as a woman in Proverbs? You know, this is going to be a great lesson on how to interpret the Bible. The Bible doesn't tell us. Now, we can come up with maybe some, some conclusions based upon things in the Scriptures, but the Scriptures really do not tell us why. So what I'm going to tell you is just something that putting two and two together for me and, and not standing on a certain text, but just generally looking at the book of Proverbs, for me the answer would be this. Um, wisdom is not just smart. Uh, in the Bible. It's not, it's not just smarts, not just knowing all the facts, um, but it also has a sense of beauty mm-hmm. and grace and refinement. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. When I think of beauty, grace, and refinement, I don't think of my friend Forrest. Maybe, maybe <laughs> I think of his wife, but I don't think of my... There's a, Amen. You know... <laughs> Um, I hope no one will take this wrong, but when, when I think of my wife, uh, oh, she's strong. She's stronger than I am in so many ways, and so is Forrest's wife. I mean, she's amazing. Uh, there's so much strength there, so much intelligence, but then it seems to come through with a grace and a beauty, mm. um, a refinement that I don't, I definitely don't see in me or Forrest. (laughs) (laughs) So the Bible doesn't really tell us. So we're kind of left on our own, but does God does honor the woman by many times portraying wisdom as a female. And since wisdom is oftentimes portrayed as something beautiful and and graceful and elegant, I I think those words probably match a woman better than they do a man. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think I think that's helpful and accurate. Um, okay, so these next few questions, we'll we'll maybe try to go a little bit more rapid fire, but we'll okay. uh, we'll start with Yosua. He's ten years old, and he asks, "How do we know that we have wisdom?" Um, as we find ourselves agreeing more and more in Scripture with Scripture and acting more and more conformed to Scripture. You see, wisdom is not just knowledge. It's the application of knowledge. And wisdom is not just, hey, you know, you can go to the Bible and you know all the answers. Wisdom is is living it out. And it lives itself out in, in, in peace and in kindness and in integrity. So as your character begins to conform to the image of Christ and the way you your disposition, the way you talk, uh, the things you do, the way you treat people, that is going to show you if you're growing in wisdom. Because listen, kids, you have a really big head and nothing else. And that's not what we're looking for. Yeah. 
it's so easy to learn this stuff. The real key is to live it. And that's yeah. how you know when you're getting somewhere. Yeah, I can relate to that personally. When I was younger, I had a lot of head knowledge and uh, it, didn't, it didn't mean anything. So I was very proud of this head knowledge that I had and uh, it didn't amount to anything. So, right. Um, all right, so uh, Louis, I think it's pronounced something like that. Uh, he's from the Philippines, wants mm -hmm. to know, can we get wisdom from God outside of the scriptures? Um, well, first of all, um, you'll hear a statement that's often made, all truth is God's truth, and, and that's true. But that can also be very dangerous because you, looking outside the scripture, you may find something in, in psychology or sociology and think it's true and then call it truth when, in fact, it's actually contradicting scripture. So we have to be very, very careful. But yes, there is wisdom outside of scripture in, in, in many different disciplines. Uh, scripture, when it intersects with science, always speaks the truth, but it's not a science book. It's, it, when it talks about the human body, what it says is true, but it's not a medical book. Um, it talks a lot about geography, but it's not a book on geography. And so there, are wisdom, there is wisdom in disciplines uh, of all kinds, and, and we need that. You know? um, a carpenter has to have the wisdom of a carpenter to know how to build and how to uh, react to different problems. But no wisdom... No so-called truth outside of Scripture is to be considered inerrant. That means without error, infallible, incapable of error, and inspired. That is, God-breathed. So the Scriptures are the standard. Now, in church history, there are things called creeds and confessions and catechisms, and they were all designed to kind of give us an idea of what historical Christianity is. And as beautiful as some of them are, and as important as some of them are, like the Westminster or the 1689 London Baptist Confession, they're considered subordinate standards. What does that mean? Subordinate means they're lower than, they're under something else. And what it means is, even though they're confessions that help us identify with historic Christianity, they're not the Bible. So the only inspired, infallible, God-breathed, source of truth is the scriptures. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, recently, past couple weeks, you delved a bit into Deuteronomy 6, mm -hmm. uh, spoke a little more directly to the parents. So mm -hmm. Mylene, as a young mother, uh, wants to know, how can I teach the Bible to a four-year-old? Mylene, first of all, first of all, and, and I have seen this personally, uh, from the moment a child is born, the relationship between the the father and the mother is extremely important. If you want the child to have peace and security, there needs to be peace and security in your home. Mm. So your relationship with your husband or your relationship with your wife is extremely important in nurturing your child. Next, um, in the, the, the context of teaching ought to be the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Very important. Very important. You know, I don't think I've presented any theological errors to my children, but I have shown them um, errors in conduct when I've been impatient or mm. um, self-centered or whatever and have to go back and repent and ask for forgiveness. So the, the first thing you want to look at is that that house be full of love. 
tenderness, gentleness, mercy, mercy. And when you've got to decide whether to be to err on the side of severity or the err on the side of mercy, err on the side of mercy. Mm-hmm. And affirmation and love and forgiveness and restoration and all these things. So in that context. Now, with my children, I can tell you what I, I've done. Um, when they get to be where they can sit with a book in their lap, you know, after they've gone through the little books that talk about this is a ball and this is a star, I find the kind of the, the most elementary, most child, uh, childlike, I guess you could say, um, storybook about the Bible. And I always choose one that rhymes because I don't know what it is. Children will listen to a book that rhymes over one that doesn't. So a lot of times they're a book I can read through in one night you know, a little Bible book, and I'll read through it, sometimes make up voices and everything, and it's all rhyming, and we have a good time, it only lasts for a few minutes, and, and then we play. After I've read through that a couple of times, then I find another rhyme book of Bible stories that's just a little bit more advanced, mm. and we'll work through that. Sometimes it, it takes only a week or so, and then I'll go to the next one and the next one, and then eventually we'll get into a, a Bible storybook that maybe um, it doesn't rhyme now, but it has interesting stories and pictures and um, things like that. I don't, I don't like pictures of, of Christ at all. I try to avoid that, but sometimes I guess you can't. Uh, but just make it a good and pleasant time, a fun time too. I play with them before and after. Um, and it, it never lasts more than 10 minutes, five or 10 minutes, unless they really want it to. They're like, read more, read more. Okay, I'll do that. Then eventually, by the time my children have been five and a half, uh, six, they started reading out of the New American Standard, the same Bible I use. And, um, and I'll read to them. But, you know, read to them a verse, things like that. Talk to them. Um, I, I can't... I can't emphasize enough the idea of relationship and joy and fun. And my wife sometimes would come from the kitchen and go, what do you think you're an Englishman or something? Because I would have all these crazy accents and animal voices, you name it. Just, uh, and, and then as it goes on, by the time the child is, uh, by the time the child is four, it's, it's in our family devotions, even before that, you know, three, um, and in that, what I do is I, each of my children, uh, now I have three older children who read. Um, the first one, we study books of the Bible. So they say they read Romans 1.1, the first child. And then I do a small commentary on it, questions and answers, things like that. Verse 2, verse 3. And even that only lasts around 15, 20 minutes. And we do it four times a week. And... Um, but sometimes it'll go longer, not because I'm waxing eloquently, but because the kids are like, Dad, but what does this mean? But what about this? Or we'll get off on another scru- a subject that applies to Scripture. Yeah. And what you don't want to do is turn, turn that Bible study into some gruesome thing the children are just dreading. And yeah. don't make it long. Don't make it long. Yeah. You make it a sweet time. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, Okay, I think we got time for one more quick question, if we can run through it here, uh, and, uh, and then we'll wrap things up. So, in Lesson 19, you stress the importance of surrounding yourself with godly friends, godly influences, uh, the importance of heeding godly counsel from parents, pastors, teachers, 
the importance of running from anything that contradicts God's word. But Jacob, who is 16 years old, uh, he says this, I don't have any Christians in my life. What do I do? Well, Jacob, I would ask, you know, how did you become a Christian? Did someone share with you? Um, was it a church? Um, you know, I've served a lot of time in, in places like the jungle and uh, the mountains of Peru. And, and in most places, there, was, there were fellowships of believers. Um, it says here you're 16 years old. Uh, if no one in your family is a believer, but they allow you to go to church, I would encourage you to find a church, not full of entertainment or things like that, but, but, but full of, of, of men and women who love God's word, who love God and walk in simplicity. And unless you're living somewhere in the Antarctic or something, I think you'll be able to find one. Now, please get back with us and let us know more. Like if, if you say, well, no, I, I do live in a place where there's no churches then get back with us and, Maybe we can help you find something. But, um, but usually if you look hard enough, you can find a group of, of believers. And you've got to make yourself open to them. But be very, very careful. Make sure that they truly are historically uh, evangelical and, and Christian. All right. Well, thank you so much, Brother Paul. Uh, thank you again to all the viewers who um, who submitted questions. There were a lot of them. Uh, we tried to cover as many as we can. Please continue to ask questions in the comments. This series, we just finished Chapter 1, about to get started in Chapter 2. Uh, so please continue to leave comments uh, pertaining to the lessons, pertaining to the scriptures that are being discussed, and we'll continue to have these periodic uh, question and answer times. Brother Paul, you want to wrap things up for us? Yeah, just I want you to know it's a great privilege for me to, to be here to answer your questions and um, and just really study the scriptures, but with a view toward knowing Christ, knowing Christ. Amen. God bless. God bless you all. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.